We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. If you would, turn with me to the scripture we'll be reading aloud together today. It's Judges 2, verses 10 through 16. This is the beginning of our reverse text for the week. And so if you would, let us stand and we're going to read aloud together uh, this portion of the text. This then is the text for today. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. The sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them, and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. As the Lord had spoken and as the Lord had sworn to them so that they were severely distressed. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, every once in a while, you'll come across these stories of awful criminals, uh, of criminals who get caught in the most idiotic ways. Um, now, they leave you shaking your head. What were they doing? Recently, I saw a story of a young man named James Allen. He was robbing a convenience store, and James ran to the convenience store. He robbed the clerk that was standing at the cash register. And then he, he took what, what, what she gave him, and then he took off running. But when he turned around to take off running, he ran right into one of those displays they keep in the middle of the aisles, and the display uh, spilled over everywhere. He fell. He spilled things everywhere. He didn't know up from down, and it took him a minute to get up. But then he got up, and he ran for the door, but he couldn't get out. And it wasn't because the door was locked. It's because he was pushing instead of pulling. And so he was stuck. You know, you hear stories like that, and you wonder, how, how do people do stuff like this? It was another one that happened in England not too long ago, too. It was a young guy who's in his, he's in his early 20s, and he broke into the home of this elderly couple. They, they weren't home, but he, he started, started ransacking their home. But in the middle of it, he was weary. And so he laid down for a moment and fell asleep. And the elderly couple came home and found him asleep, and all the while, there was something cooking on the stove that he left there that he was going to take with him. Now, you would think people would be smarter than this. I mean, we think, surely this is not humanity in general. We, we surely don't behave in these kinds of ways. 
But you know, the stories just keep coming. I think we do. Over and over again, humanity has proven we're not much brighter than this. In fact, as we read through these stories of, uh, uh, of, of Israel in the Judges, we start to ask these same kinds of questions. How, how did they end up this way? Why are they doing these things that they're doing? So if we, we look at Israel through the book, book of Judges, you're, you're regularly going to find yourself asking these questions. How, how can these people be so foolish? They don't know up from down. They don't know which way they're going. How did they end up like this? You know, as you, you read through Judges, it reads like a sine wave. It's just kind of up and down. At one moment, Israel seems to be coming into their own and what God intended for them, and in the next moment, they're just devastated. They're crying at rock bottom. In fact, it's disgusting how all of these uh, stories play out. The, the more you read about Israel, the more disgusted you get at how often they just sort of fall over themselves and fall into sin and in temptation and run away from the Lord their God, our Heavenly Father. You know, as, as the history of Israel goes, we'll back up a little bit. God, God raises up Moses to, to bring them out of slavery. And God says he's going to bring them out of slavery and into a perfect home. They were going to be given the, the land they needed, exactly what they needed to thrive and flourish as a people. It was all laid out for them by the hand of God. God took care of everything. God destroyed Pharaoh. God destroyed Pharaoh's army. Uh, God provided food for them. God provided water for them. God drove away their enemies. And what does Israel do? They act like knuckleheads. Israel, they, they, they can't figure out which way they're going. And in fact, as you work through these pages, maybe the best way to describe them is they end up acting like a, a two-year-old screaming without provocation at the only person in the world who's caring for them. But God, as God does in his character, took them by the hand and walked them to the promised land, set them up with homes that would last and the first chance they got, they ran away. Maybe they're, they're like that child screaming, I hate you, at their mother while she tries to feed them. In fact, if you'll read back with me, Judges 2. Here, 11 through 13 again. It's, it's, it's so foolish. We don't, how do they get here? The sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They served Baals and they forsook the Lord the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and, allowed other, and followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. And they bowed down to them. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. They're telling their heavenly father, who had walked them right to the promised land, that he wasn't as cool as the parents of the Canaanites. It was as if God walked them to the perfect home and they left God back in the wilderness saying, don't come with me. They didn't want their heavenly father who had brought them this far because the other gods sounded better. The, the other gods were something that were in theory were going to give them more than they expected. One God, the Canaanite God, was said to give just the right amount of rain for their crops that was going to bring them more fruitful crops than they'd ever seen before. And what they did, they, they looked up to God who had fed them for generations, and they said, well, we'd rather try our hand with this other guy. 
We'll get our daily bread from another God for now. He sounds a bit cooler. But it wasn't just Baal. There, there was this woman God who granted all your lewd desires, and their eyes lit up like a kid in a candy store. And so they looked up to God and said, well, I'm going over there to try that out for a minute. They couldn't wait to forget what God had done for them. They couldn't wait to forget how God had brought them this far so that they could chase after anything else that would indulge their gluttonous passions. And we see it throughout the book of Judges. We, we hear these stories of Israel's failure. And, and, and it, it seems like almost every chapter, this, this is unfolding before us. And we ask ourselves, how could they do this? What evil hides in their minds that they would indulge such tragic intentions? These were the chosen people of God who had witnessed some of the grandest provisions ever seen on this earth. How did they end up here? How do they still end up thinking, well, maybe there's something else? Maybe there's something more. Now, instead of masking judgment with questions, we need to be introspective here. Because these folks who, who knew God, these folks who, who, who knew God just couldn't wait to, to, to get away from him, we do the very same things. You know, we have a bad habit these days of looking back on history disparagingly, believing we wouldn't make the same mistakes that they made when we do the very same things daily. The, the church finds herself swimming in the same sinful waters as Israel. We often chase after the things of the world, thinking we might be able to add something of our own. Maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something greater on the other side. Maybe there's something better than what God has decreed for us. We've done these very things, like Israel bowing down to a wooden totem of promiscuity. We chase after carnal pleasure still. Like, like Israel bowing down to agricultural idols, we'll do anything to get a little bit more. You know, their chasing after lust is as relevant today as it's ever been. And th their hope of just getting more and getting more than what God allowed them led to fat hearts that look American. In fact, if, if James 5.5 5 doesn't describe us, I don't know what does. Let me read it for you. James 5.5, 5, you have lived luxuriously on the earth and had led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You know, we sometimes... Find churches in pluralism, where the church tries to combine anything and, and everything, uh, putting together a hodgepodge kind of church of everything. And those are out there. There are some churches around us that do that very thing. You know, but mostly, mostly we, we find we are a people who worship ourselves, that we do have another God, that we do have an idol that we do worship something else. It's not a Baal, but it's a Chris. It's not Ashtoreth. It's me. See, each one of us think we're a little God at the center of our own universe, seeking out the things that tickle our fancy and destroying anything that gets in the way of me being me. 
It's this American culture that has seeped into the church and is ripping her apart. You know, what, what's it's amazing in all of this is, is some in the world use the church's struggles to devalue God, when in reality what has happened to the church is that she started listening to the culture instead of listening to the Word of God. You see, the church is struggling because she looks too much like the world, not because she's God's. The world would love for the church to be flushed down the drain with the culture, but that won't happen. The children of God will not be flushed away because of the remarkable grace of God. It intervenes, and God's mercy has always intervened, like a perfect heavenly father. Even though Israel really thought those other gods were cooler than their God, God brought them back home. This is the turn in the text. We get to Judges 2, verse 18. The Lord raised up judges for them. The Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge, for the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who had oppressed and afflicted them. You see, this is what the book of Judges is about. God would raise up specific people to fight for truth, that God would step into history and would bring deliverers into their midst who would remind them of their place in the story where God says there is a larger story that's at hand here. There is a kingdom of God that has come and a kingdom of God that is pressing forward, that is coming to this earth. He says, you are a part of this story. And he would bring his children back together like a mother hen just circling under her wings. And what, what God notes all throughout the Old Testament is he brings Israel back into this, this larger story that's happening for the kingdom of God. He would say, it's most important for you to remember. And you'll see these calls throughout the Old Testament to, to remember where you have come from. Remember the stories of deliverance. They were to memorize Exodus. They were to remember the story of Joseph, remember the story of Abraham. And when he said, remember, they were to write them down. They were to keep them up on the walls in their homes. They were to teach them to their children so that whenever they came to trouble, every single one of them would know who to call out to. And every single one of them, they would cry out to God instead of running to their neighbor's seance. You see, as God just stirred up repentance in their hearts, he, he was raising up prophets and judges and kings that would lead Israel in the way of the word of God. See, that solution that plays out through the judges for them is, is close to the solution that we have for today. There are times God raises up good men and women to help us in our faith. Every one of us have stories of people who have helped us grow and have drawn us nearer to the Lord. We have people in our lives who have discipled us, and that's good. But, but there is one significant difference today. It turned and it happens as we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It happened about 2,000 years ago that God sent his son to be the final deliverer. We see these deliverers raised, raised up in Israel's midst in, in, in judges. And this is just a sign of what's to come. It's a foreshadowing of what God's doing in the larger story of where God is leading his people. And he's saying, I bring deliverers because I'm a, a God who delivers my people from the pain of this earth. 
And so he did it finally in the person of Jesus Christ. There wouldn't be anyone else like him. Jesus Christ would stand supreme, greater than a thousand Old Testament judges. Jesus would be the one that Moses, Elijah, and King David would bow down to. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of all mankind. And what, what that means for you is that God knew you would be in trouble. God knew that you would be broken. God knew that you would face the pain that you have faced on this earth. That is not a surprise to God. The temptation that is before you every time you have fallen into sin is not a surprise to God. In fact, he said, I am sending a deliverer to save you. He knew that you would be troubled in your marriage. He knew that you'd be troubled in your decision-making. He knew that you wouldn't be able to choose what is best for you because you always want what is easy for you. And because you, and because I, because we are so incapable, God sent the capable one, Jesus Christ, to redeem us out of this slavery to sin so that we might be saved. You know, there are days that we feel the pressure of our own sin squeezing the life out of us like a boa constrictor around our necks. And we cry out to God and we say, we, we, we can't anymore. And God reaches down from heaven in Christ by the Holy Spirit and sets us free. Now, sometimes, like incomprehensible Israel, we go and we pick that boa constrictor up again like nothing ever happened. You know, boa constrictors are said to have a murderous instinct, that they, they squeeze around their prey. And, and as they, they feel their prey breathe, when, when the prey exhales, they continue to squeeze even harder. And every time you breathe out, it crunches so that every breath becomes more difficult. You know, this is how some of us are feeling this morning, caught in the grip of our own sins, and escape is impossible. And this is true. Escape is impossible for you. You are dead. But if you will cry out to Jesus Christ this morning, he will set you free. He'll set you free from the terror of sin and breathe new breath into your lungs so that you are a new creature. You are a new life in the person of Jesus Christ. That life and breath is available to you this morning. You know, it's no accident either that, that what was required of Israel is also required of us. Once we have known this new life, we're to write about it. We're to tell others about it. We're, we're to write it on the walls of our house. We're to teach it to our children. It should be on our lips daily. And part of that, part of that remembering, as God kept calling Israel to remember through the Old Testament, Jesus tells us a similar thing in the New Testament. We are to remember him well. Now, Israel had all of their rituals where they would remember. And our Savior, Jesus Christ, in a very particular way, said, you need to remember me. So he gave us the simple elements. And we have these elements, and we take these elements so that we will never forget where we came from that we were caught in sin. We were struggling to breathe. And God came and delivered us and made all things right.
we take these elements to remember that Jesus ripped that snake off our shoulders by giving up his own life. He gave up his so that we could live and have life abundantly. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.